Hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kamek with the podcast Down to Earth, the podcast in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today there's plenty to talk about. Obviously, we had a Super Tuesday yesterday. And what a Super Tuesday it must have been for Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm not sure what Bloomberg and Elizabeth Warren are going to do. It's a toss up, isn't it? I think it's a toss up. I think it's only a matter of time before they all recognize that they perhaps need to pull their resources together and unite something that Democrats probably have a hard time doing. One thing with the Republican Party is they unite all the time, good or bad. They're in it to win it and they stick together. But the Democrats have too many dissenting ideas, too many intellectuals, too many ideas running around about this stuff and you have to wonder when you look at the race last night you have to ask yourself this question how is it that the polls were saying that joe biden couldn't win are the polls getting it wrong these were the same polls that in 2016 predicted that hillary was going to win by a landslide and then hillary lost the election she got the popular vote by a landslide but she did not win the electoral college vote so how are the polls getting it wrong What is it? Is it that the polls are just not polling the right people? Are they just polling some people? People whom they have on a payroll or people whom they traditionally call these people, like they have a set focus group of people whom they call continually. That's got to be the answer because I'm looking at it and I'm like, last week they were telling Joe Biden to jump out of the race. Yet he swept through the South like a messiah, crusader, Literally, I mean, he just he just made Bernie look like a joke. Yeah, Bernie got California, but who is voting in California? Those young voters, young voters are are not making are not looking at the facts. The facts are this: Medicare for all is not achievable. The drug companies, the way the economy is structured, the drug companies in America are not going to make Medicare for all achievable. Secondly, the HMOs, the insurance companies, have huge lobbyists. And they're not, good morning, everybody. Come on, we're talking, right? Come, thank you for joining me, right? You're all part of this conversation. So Medicare for all is not achievable. It's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. Get over it. it, it, it what, what we're looking at, we're looking at, well, we can have universal health care. You're looking and comparing America to, com- to countries in Europe. Countries in Europe are smaller and have less people. We have almost 400 million people here to provide free health care for. Are you kidding me? What kind of health care would that, what what kind of trickle-down health care would that be? You're better off with the current model that we have, fine-tune it, make it more accessible, but creating this panacea that Medicare for all is going to work is foolish and ridiculous. And I'm so glad that older Americans who voted yesterday, right, knew that. They have the experience of a lifetime to know that that is not workable and achievable in economic reality. It's one thing to get up and talk, 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 but show me how you're going to do that. Medicare for all is a ridiculous idea. It sounds good, but it's not achievable. 
It's not the way our economy is, is structured. We're not a socialist economy. We're capitalist. We would have to revamp the whole system. And it's not going to work because the people who have a vested interest, the hospitals and the HMOs who have a vested interest, who rely on government payments from Medicare so that they can keep their engines and economies of scale going, they're not going to go for this Medicare for all foolishness. So that's total baloney and the people around Bernie Sanders need to stop that foolishness. And young voters need to understand it's not going to work. The second thing that's not going to work, that young voters like Bernie Sanders for is this idea of free college tuition. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to other countries in the world that America describes as third world countries, and you can get an engineering degree and a medical degree. Here's the deal. You want to know the real deal? You can get that, but those countries that offer free education Guess what? They don't have the economy for people to do what? To work in after they have been educated. So they end up migrating to places like America so they can work on their degrees or they can live. Hello, somebody. So think about that for a minute. That's wisdom and experience. The second thing is this idea of not having college debt, student loan being liberated. Are you kidding me? Wealthy people loan the money so that you can get money to go to college. They own the companies that provide these loans. They want their money back with interest paid on top. Thank you, please. They're not gonna let this happen. So those two crucibles that people like Sean King is promoting uh, Bernie Sanders as this new Messiah to come and save the people is a lie. Uh, don't listen to Sean King. He's, he's skewered. He has gone off the rails. I don't know what, what happened to his thinking where he thinks that all of a sudden you are going to elect somebody who is going to give you Medicare for all. That's, that's total baloney. It's unachievable and unrealistic. Stop telling the people lies, man, and cut it out, right? You see what I'm saying? And the second thing about it is telling people you're going to have free college in America. Are you kidding me? The way our economy is structured is structured on capitalism. So you're going to go change it all over again and all this stuff. I, I love Elizabeth Warren and she's a great candidate and a, she could be a great vice president. I love Elizabeth Warren, but baby, it's time to unite. If the Democrats really want to win this, it's time for them to unite. And I imagine eventually they're probably going to go that route, right? And especially now we're looking at the coronavirus and the current administration is not providing any leadership on how to, for the first time, the Centers for Disease Control is not prepared foolishness. This this whole thing last night was just like, are you seriously kidding? I wasn't surprised that Biden would come forth. I wasn't surprised. I felt that the voters who, like myself, people are looking like, let me think about this for a minute, but I'm not surprised. What I am surprised at is how Bernie lost. I thought he would have gotten more states. He seemed to have had a momentum, but at the same time, I'm disappointed in the young voters in California. I'm like, what are you thinking? You're not thinking. It's clear. You're just going with emotion and being buoyed by emotion led by people like Sean King who are telling you foolishness about stop and frisk and telling you not stop and frisk is foolishness. Yes, any politician who has been in the game for a while has some negative history. You got to remember that America is evolving. 40, 50 years ago, it was a different America. 
that was talking about how to treat people of color. It's a different time. So they are going to change. They are going to have different words to say. It is what it is, right? So uh, I'm sure if they were to look into Bernie, they're probably going to find stuff that he said that was off the cuff. And you got to understand, sometimes when people say these things, sometimes they're off-the-cuff responses. A reporter just jams a microphone in front of you. Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever been in a situation where suddenly you're standing and a sea of press people are around you and asking you questions on the spur of the moment just to see if they're going to catch you saying something you don't want to say? I've been there. So until you've been there, you haven't walked that road. You don't know what it feels like, right? So this whole idea of Medicare for all, I want to laugh. It's a joke. Who is going to support that? <laughs> right? Tell me, who is going to support that? Nobody. Which insurance company? Which insurer? And, and get this. This is the biggest one. Which drug maker? Big Pharma practically owns us. Right? All the major drug companies practically own us. So you really seriously think that they are going to let uh, folks come on. It's not going to happen. It, it, it's so not going to It makes me wonder if, if who is having these ideas. Maybe everybody in California left. Is it the, the fires that drove serious people out of California? So you just left a bunch of young voters who haven't lived long enough to know that there are certain things that are not going to be achievable. Gotta be. I, I don't get it. I simply just don't get it. But today I want to talk about how Silicon Valley talking about California. I want to talk about how Silicon Valley has ruined the work culture. And I want to share some ideas with you that most of us in workspaces uh, tend to view. I am, I am going to admit that it has influenced in terms of workspace dress and attire. Silicon Valley has perhaps influenced me because now I don't wear suits to work. I come to work and I'm wearing athleisure wear. I'm more comfortable. My entire workspace, the people who work around me, we, I encourage them to dress casually because I believe that not being confined by a mode of dress liberates their minds. Okay. But if we are interacting with the public, I do encourage folks to dress appropriately for the setting that you're going to be in. Personally, I dress casually most days because it's most comfortable for me. I don't know that I totally believe, I don't believe totally that the way you present yourself does not affect someone's impression of you. I, I think the, 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 uh, the owners of Google discovered that a few years ago when they went to France and tried to interview the leaders in France, because you remember when Google wanted to upload all the published works in the world to this huge database and they were paying people in China 50 cents a, an hour to copy all the books in the world to create this huge electronic digital database of stored works of fiction and nonfiction written over time in our civilization. Well, when the Google lawyers showed up, they showed up in casual dress. And the folks in France said, no, we're not going to talk to you. I don't care if you're a lawyer or not. You're going to come back and dress like a suit. So they adjusted their dress and they went back because they believed that they could take this into every environment. Not everybody is willing to accept this because some people still believe that the way you dress to go to work impacts the way you think. I'm going to ask you that. So. Who is Silicon Valley? Well, Silicon Valley, as everybody knows, is where all our technology uh, uh, ideas, some of them, start. 
In fact, people from all over the world who are technologically inclined and who perhaps are budding uh, uh, innovators and inventors tend to gravitate to Silicon Valley because it promotes an atmosphere for creativity as it relates to technology. Right, so people from you know India and China and Pakistan and other parts of the world come to Silicon Valley for this. Silicon Valley is based in California. It's in California. It's a physical place, and of course, California laws are sometimes a little bit more less stringent, and they are just as regulated. But they tend to favor people who are trying to invest. Uh, we have coined this this word in the last 10 to 15 years called startups. And startups are, we refer to them as companies that are just starting off, they have a good idea, and sometimes they get to launch an IPO, but they're looking for funding for an idea that they have. Some people who have been successful at that, I'm gonna name some names, people like Elon Musk, right? And later on, we're gonna talk about something that he said, right? So Silicon Valley has popularized the idea that a casual work environment is more conducive to productivity. Do you actually believe that? Well, most of us now work in open spaces. We don't have cubicles, and we don't have offices, we don't have corner offices, and we have all kinds of stuff going on, and you come to work dressed casually, and you can take a nap at work and stuff like that. But does it really connote to productivity? It sounds to me like we're constantly wired. I know I'm constantly wired. I have to schedule downtime where I'm probably going to have to start doing that in a minute. Uh, is detox, uh, you know, work detox where I put the phone down. Most people say, well, Harry, you're only on the air for 45 minutes per day. But you know it takes an entire week to prepare for a 45-minute show. You know that, right? Yeah. You have to think about the ideas. You have to schedule what you're going to talk about. You have to do the research. And you would think, you, you, you know, most days I spend two to three hours doing the research if I come across an idea or I ask my producer, go do some research. It takes time to, to, to think about what you're going to do. You know, I've seen people say, well, I want to do a podcast. I hear that all the time. People say, well, I want to do a podcast. How do I start? And, and I'm sitting there looking at them like, seriously, do you feel like you have something to say? Well, what is it that you have to say? What they don't know is the work that goes on behind it. I think people like me make it seem easy. So they think that it is, it is easy to be replicated when in fact, it's a lot of work. So when I am done broadcasting and so on, I go and read my timelines. I figure out what people are saying and I go get an idea or I'm reading something that inspires me to talk about it. I do the research on it. So I exist in a space, my workspace is naturally accommodating and comfortable. I feel that it is. Some mornings I'm still wrestling with the idea. I kid you not. And this morning was one of them when I got up and I wanted to put on a dress and heels. Instead, I'm wearing athleisure wear, right? And it's Wear Pink Wednesday, by the way, right? So here I go, Wear Pink Wednesday. There we go, right? So do you see what I'm saying? So so when you look at workplaces, how we have changed from where we were in the 2000s, how we have changed from where we were in the 1990s. In the 1990s, in the 1980s, the 1970s, from the 1950s onward after World War II, we had workplaces that were defined as nine to five, 
9 to 5 off Monday, Saturday and Sunday. Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. Workplaces now as popularized by Silicon Valley, we've replaced the 9 to 5 with a 996. You know what that is? 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. And when you are not, you're attached to the workplace by your work email. Companies are slick. You think they give you a work email because they want to have fun? No, they give you a work email so that the boss can communicate with you when he's just done having his mimosa at the golf club, at the country club. He has an idea and dang, he's going to get everybody on board. So you're constantly wired and attached. So in terms of productivity, it doesn't really work. I'm not sure. I'm going to read some of the ideas that Silicon Valley has uh, has, uh, promoted and see if you agree with it. Listen to this. So most of us, especially those who live in areas where you are, uh, especially those who live in areas where you are, it's high traffic areas and heavily uh, congested. Sometimes work provides a bus, right? So the bus, the company sponsored bus, now has nice cushy seats and all, but it also has Wi-Fi. So that means once you get on your you're attached and you think they don't know that you're checking on a porn site or pornhub.com. They probably are. So don't do that, right? We wear, this is what Silicon Valley promotes. Uh, offices of the present. This is what the typical office culture looks like. Uh, company sponsored bus, cushion sheets, Wi-Fi, weekend wear, casual weekend wear. So you wake up Wednesday morning and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to wear, put on a suit. And then, oh my God, no, I, I have to wear something casual. Uh, okay. The office has a kitchen, right? That sells good, that has green juice for free and some healthy snacks that you probably have never heard of and probably have a hard time digesting, but it is highly recommended for breakfast and lunch. And if you don't participate in it, they actually will look at you funny. They will think you're not a team player. If you don't drink the green juice and, and, uh, go do eat the unmentionable snacks that nobody can pronounce sometimes that they're real iffy in their origin. But if you don't do it, you're not a team player. There's just so much pressure to be a team player today. You can't be an individual. It's crazy. Isn't that the truth though? Tell me the truth. Don't you guys find that funny? It's, you have to, it's like you constantly have to be on, right? And if you're not on, it's like, who are you? Right? It's the craziest thing ever. (laughs) You're constantly on and you, you have to play this game. Right? And if you're not, you're not a team player. And if you're not a team player, you're counter to the culture and they polarize you. If you don't drink that green juice, what if you can't, some of the stuff they put in the green juice, none of us can tolerate it. Like don't put celery in my green juice. My body just has an issue with that. It tastes like death, right? Listen to this part. Offices of the present, the CEO hoverboards around the office. Okay. There are no assigned desks. So forget about the, the offices of the office desk of the past where you could put up a picture of your family or some idea. There are no assigned desks. You have to find one to, for you to put your laptop down on. So you have to get in there early. Otherwise, the best desks are gone. And guess what? Once upon a time, you worked eight hours working nine to five. No, now you work 12 hours. And if you dare to clock out at 5 p.m., they, you, you know, you are in trouble. They're like, 
that you will get an email and they will remind you that you are attached. It's almost like they own you. If you thought they owned you back then, now is the time when they literally, they literally own you. I kid you that. And then here's this, there's no corner office. And offices of the present, they have this open space and no cubicles. Granted, I, I, you worked in an office, right? I didn't like the cubicles either because I thought it was too confining. It made me feel closed in. I liked having open space, but if, if I'm there eating, uh, snacking and so on, I don't know that I want nosy neighbor here to, to see what I'm doing. I'm just saying, right? And, and, and the, the idea behind this, this is Silicon Valley. They come up with an idea. And just like the young voters in California who voted for Bernie Sanders on this Medicare free for all foolishness, right? Uh, these, uh, they're meant to liberate you from, from, from drudgery and boredom. They, they think that if you work in these spaces, you're going to not have boredom. Seriously? <laughs> right? The thing with, the thing with, uh, these ideas to put them into traditional workspaces is these were designed for tech startups that facilitated the free flow of ideas between people. Do you see what I mean? So you have this bright idea, you're working on this model, and you're working on this program or, or computing, and you have this idea that you want to share instead of shouting across the room or instead of typing it in an email, you want to just be able to share it with the team that you're working with in an open space. Well, go in the darn conference room for crying out loud, if that's the case. But that was what this was designed to do. So in some spaces, it's not working. But guess what? Uh, CEOs all over the country, even in companies that are over 100 years old, are looking at these things and adopting these ideas and saying that if it works for Google, if it works for for, for those kind of tech startups, then it probably is going to work for me. No, it works for tech startups only. It doesn't mean that a hundred-year-old company that makes tractors that it's going to work necessarily for you, right? In in today's modern offices, check this out. Here's some of the perks that they give people. So so you got to ask yourself then, what's going on? Well, they tell us that these perks will make you happier, and it makes people more productive. And a productive employee and a, and a happy employee is more productive. That's what they tell you. I, I kid you not. I'm role playing there. So, in most modern offices, they have ping pong, foosball. That just sounds too noisy for me. I don't know about you, but that, that, that's uh, too much activity going on. In office escape rooms, I, I didn't smile at that one. Uh, slides between floors, like, hello, are we? Is is this uh, playtime? Like, I want a bunch of grown people to be sliding down. Aren't you worried about liability if somebody hurts themselves on the slide? Right? They have uh, uh, pool tables. Okay. Maybe. I like that idea. Uh, Built-in meditation space. I actually work for a company that had discovered mindfulness. So, once a week, they, they would suggest that you would go for mindfulness for 20 minutes out of the day. And if you chose to do it, it was not during your lunch hour. So it did not take away from your personal time. I actually like the idea that that worked. Yoga and mindfulness classes. 
this is the one that piqued me chefs so they have chefs so the chef will come in and cook something that you want but you some in some places you provide your own food on call masseuse oh i would take that <laughs> right on call masseuse have you heard of the of nationwide insurance company nationwide insurance company is trying this new thing where it gives two fridays off per month they believe it will contribute to an uptick another company started doing more remote employees and they said so far they have amassed 34 million minutes in video calls so you know you walk in and you walk into the office and around you they have all these uh monitors that are showing you what their remote employees are doing and they're they just pop up open spaces and guess what the biggest export that silicon valley has made is the collapse between work and life i don't know that that's a good idea because when you have something like there's no defined barrier or boundary i'm always concerned about barriers and boundaries I don't like the blurring of the lines when it applies to certain things. And I guess only experience proves this over time. There are some parts of the Silicon Valley mindset that I find personally appealing and that I find extremely workable and productive. But there are also some parts that I think need to be modified as it applies to the industry and make it industry specific. I think what most people are doing is just saying if it works for Google, then it works for me. If it works for Elon Musk, then it works for me. Not realizing that the world has changed and that these companies are technology based. So their ideas of working are going to be different from traditional companies. That is not to say you need to go back to that stringent nine to five where people wore suits and stuff. I don't think so. I think you can still get work done in a dress shirt with your slacks on. I think women can still go to work and wear gym shoes if we want to. I certainly don't believe it. Nobody's going to ask anybody to wear pantyhose. I, I ditched that a lot. I, I ditched that because it was itching me. I think the materials had changed or whatever. My body was just like no more pantyhose. But I do think that there are some things. I don't know that I like the open spaces. If, if, if I am getting called in by the manager or the supervisor, I want it to be in an environment that nobody else hears what they're going to talk to me about. So I like the idea of these glass enclosures. I love that. I love glass offices, don't you? Glass walls. That means you can see what people are doing. So there's less chance of what? Sexual harassment, right? And there's less chance of nepotism because you can see what people are. You, you can see them acting out. So nobody can walk out of the office and claim that I, I said anything to them or I touched them inappropriately because everybody can see my interactions, right? One of the things that I have found about these some of these workspaces is bullying. Silicon Valley doesn't like bullying, but bullying invariably happens. In fact, in some of these technology startups with these open ideas of working, one of the things that happen is that the, the, the CEOs are bullying people. Well, yeah, because they're driven by growth and profit. And when money is on the line and a lot of money and growth is on the line, because you got to understand about tech startups, they have a limited time frame. They're built and funded by venture funds that have certain times. So it's not like going to sign a five-year loan at the bank and you have five years to recoup or five years to generate income. With tech, with tech startups, it's now or never. 
You need to get that $100 million right now to promote this idea, to do all the research and to get all the, 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 the implements in place, the tools you need in place to make it work. And sometimes your tech startups, though the idea originates here, you probably are relying on products and tools from overseas. So you can imagine how frantic Silicon Valley is right now with this coronavirus disrupting supply schedules in China. As you know, China manufactures most of the world's goods. Did you know that? Yes. And for the last 30 years, it has been so. We have completely relied on China. Maybe this is a good idea for us to re-examine our dependence on goods coming from 4,000 miles away. Not just for us here in the United States, which is the biggest world market for consumer goods, but also for people in, in, in other parts of the world, in Canada and for people in Europe. We relied on China way too much. So now China has a coronavirus that has disrupted its logistics. China is the number one country in the world for logistics. They have a logistics system that is able to take the product from the factory to the, to the port, factory to port in no time. Here's the problem. Shanghai is their biggest port to come to the Western world. Shanghai is closed down now because of the coronavirus. It takes 40 days from Shanghai to the West Coast of the United States. 40 days, that's a long time, right? So this is why we're running out of hand sanitizers. It really isn't manufactured here. It's manufactured where? Overseas. We could have done the same darn thing in Mexico. Pardon me. We could have built those darn factories in Mexico. We could have built those factories in South Carolina, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama. We could have built factories in Michigan, Minnesota. Okay, so say you don't want cold weather to impact it. Okay, let me start one more time. Texas, Nevada. Am I saying anything here? Yeah. Texas, Nevada, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, right? Louisiana. We could have built those darn factories down there. And now I wouldn't be running out of hand sanitizer, toilet paper, and Lysol. Like I go to the store and I can't get it to buy because we're sold out because supply chains have been disrupted in China because tech startups think, well, you would make more money if you have employees overseas. So maybe what the coronavirus has done is shine a light, a glaring light on the improbability of having your supplies 4,000 miles away. And in an emergency, that country is shut down. China has been shut down for since January 24th. Do you know that air pollution in China for the first time in 30 years is down because there are no planes flying overhead, right? That's number one. Number two, there are no factories. So the factories are not emitting stuff. So it makes you, so the question you're asking is, so why then did people go to China to invest? It was cheaper. China said that I have a market of cheap labor because they own their people. They control them. So they say, and they don't have regulations. Unlike us here in the West that said, we want healthier lungs. We want to live longer. We don't want so much lung disease. So we're going to not emit all these poisonous fumes from factories. So manufacturers are like, oh my God, if I have to do that one more time, let me go find somewhere where I can pay people 50 cents an hour. And they work 12, 14 hours a day. Whereas here in the States, you're like, excuse me, if they work past eight hours, you got to pay them overtime and it's time and a half. Thank you, please. Right? <laughs> so now you see the big picture. So maybe this was not a bad thing. I'm not saying the coronavirus is a pandemic is a good thing, but maybe what it has pointed to is that we need to have all these companies need to have stateside companies 
So in an emergency like now, we're going to run out of bottled water for crying out loud. And we got water over here in the Great Lakes, but they're going to tell us in a while not to drink it, right? You never know what people can do. People are, 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 are creepy and weird sometimes. Yes, human beings do perform creepy, weird things to other human beings. It is a fact. I'm not politically correct. I'm going to tell you like it is, right? And then the second thing you have to think about is I can't get any hand sanitizer. It's been short since two weeks ago. I can't get hand sanitizers, I can't get disinfecting wipes, can't get toilet paper, because again, it's not manufactured here, it's manufactured overseas. It's time to rethink that quadrangle. Then you're you're talking about China, if they're only paying their workers 50 cents, maybe for the whole day or for an hour, no wonder people still eating what they eat because they don't get enough money to change their way of living. Then you look at another similar country, India, and India is smiling. Right? Because India pays their their people well to work. Right? And guess what? Their people are the new middle class. They're strolling down the streets of Milan and buying stuff like, hey, hey. (laughs) Right? They don't have the coronavirus threat like China does. Right? So when you look at what influences work culture today? It's Silicon Valley because our, our, our economy is driven now by technology. And because our economy is driven by technology, naturally, whatever successes that they achieve, the rest of us are looking to them to see if we can duplicate and replicate their successes. And they seem to have done very well with their casual complex. Don't you think? Remember uh, Mark Zuckerberg? They say he has like 50 gray t-shirts and black t-shirts. Because that's what he wears every day. He just wears t-shirts, right? And he uh, remember Steve Jobs. He popularized the black turtleneck thing with 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 jeans. They kind of did look like mom jeans, but you know we love Steve Jobs anyway. He's dead now, but sorry, you know he he brought us the iPhone and the iPad. We loved we we love that. Did I just display some biases? You bet. I love technology. I love what it, it can do. I'll give you a case in point. My daughter goes to high school. My youngest daughter goes to high school. She's about to graduate, right? And this morning when she was leaving, she says, I have to take a book to school. Can I just get a book to carry? And I said, what book? I said, do you want one of my books or do you want just a book? She says, any book to read. So me being the reader, I had a book on a nearby on top of the stairs, near the stairs. So I said, here. So she said, what is this book about? So I said, well, this is a book about the Great Migration from the South to the North by Blacks who were leaving and running out of Jim Crow. So she said, okay. So I said, just out of curiosity, why do you need a book? And she said, because her English teacher requires that they take a book in to read and, 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 you know, have a discussion around it. So I said, oh, so I said, but you have books on your phone. Cause my daughter is an avid reader, but she reads on her phone. She's generation what Z. They know phones, right? That's the generation who grew up watching us on cell phones, so they know phones. So she's like, I have books on my phone, mom, but she doesn't want an electronic book. And I said, see, no, that teacher is not doing you a disservice. She thinks she you're doing something right, but she's ignorant of the fact that your generation is growing, <laughs> grew up in a time when electronic books were made available and electronic books are going to continue to be made available. Making a point that children should read from books is irrelevant. You, you see that, that intersection there, that crosswalk there. For me, it's not 
I don't care about whether they read it electronically or read an actual book, just get their faces in front of some books to read words on a page, whether that page is digitized or whether it's an actual page is neither here nor there. That's how much technology has uh, influenced our lives. I remember, I kid you not, I remember getting a Kindle. Who remember getting a Kindle? I thought it was so revolutionary. You mean I could get all the books in the world I want on this one device? When I got a Kindle, I was, you couldn't tell me anything. I was the thing. You know, I just flashed that thing out when I'm at a doctor's office or if I'm waiting for my car to be serviced or wherever. I just flash that thing out and read it. Then they developed the Kindle app for iPhones. Oh my God, the world had just come to Harriet Kamek. I mean, I thought I was the thing. I love technology. So some of the stuff that they have developed is good. I remember when Amazon started, I thought Amazon was going to grow by leaps and bounds. My ex-husband at the time said, no way were people going to buy stuff online. I'm like, I was one of the first who went click on my desktop, click, click, because I was fascinated by this. So there are ways that technology has positively impacted us, but I am afraid that there are some things in the workspace that I don't believe that are just as good. And one of the, the, the things that the main focus that I don't like about what technology has done and these tech star, startups have done is how it has impacted this work life. There is now no barrier between work and life. And I'm going to show you why. Listen to this, right? As we continue. Uh, in some workspaces now, they now have unlimited vacation days. Uh, Sage Business Researcher found that people take fewer days off even when you have unlimited vacation days. You know why you do that, right? Because your boss is always watching. So if you take, even though they say you have unlimited vacation days, they are going to call you in and ask you to remind you that you just took some. They give free dinners. But free dinners mean that what? People stay at work longer. Exactly. Ruining family relationships. Okay, right? Nap pods at work. So they have spaces where you can go take a nap. But nap, pa- nap pods mean that you nap. But you, you do need a nap because you've been there all night. Because they come with deadlines. We got to have this. We got to have this done. We need to have this done. And, and you got to stay to do this. And this must be done for the team. Go for the team. I kid you not. Hey, <laughs> y'all are not just shaking your heads. Uh, Silicon Valley obsessions, I refer to them as obsessions, casual dress, open offices, and listen to this one. This one is going to blow you all away. You know, when they fire people now, they don't refer to it as termination or firing because that kind of language is negative and connotes negative ideas in the person's mind. They refer to firing as, I have to pause to say this, graduation. You heard me. Firings in Silicon Valley are referred to as graduations. Talk about a change of mindset. In a 2018 book, Lab Rats, the author Dan Lyons examines Silicon Valley's culture. And listen to this. Tech startups popularizes and confer current uh, work culture. Startups are driven by growth. So perks are designed to keep employees, but the only people walking away with money are who the investors and the senior executives so you go to a tech startup and they give you all this free stuff 
free meals. Yeah, especially men only. Free meals, that means I don't have to buy you anything. If I stay at work, they get free dinners. Green juice, nap pods. So you're actually working longer and you're expected to work 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. six days per week. So Saturdays are not off. And I wonder why on my Twitter feed I was realizing that people are at work on a Saturday. I was like, what's going on? No, Saturdays are not off. So you are off one day a week, right? And what we have found, what this researcher is saying is that the only people walking away with the money are who? The senior executives who get stock options and investors. So the people at the bottom who are actually driving the change and who are the ideas, who are driven by ideas and the ways to execute. Because make no doubt about it, you can have a good idea, but you need a team to execute, right? So you come up with a team of people who believe in your vision and so on. Well, those people are not making the money. They're not the ones getting the money. The people who are making the money are the senior executives and the investors. So what does this mean for employees on Silicon Valley or who have adopted the Silicon Valley culture? It means you're working longer without realizing it. You're staying at work longer. And it means that you have less time for life. So your family life suffers. So you will hear people say, I'm too busy for a relationship. So they have random hookups because people need companionship. They need sex. They need to feel like you're part of something. But... In order to do that and to be to, to achieve that, you have to spend time with people. Well, not if you're working 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. It explains why a lot of millennials are not having children like my generation did at the generation before. They just simply don't have the time. If you leave work at 9, by the time you get home, it's 9.30, 9.45. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're depleted. You've been at this so long. You don't have time to put up with someone saying, honey, did you stop and get the milk? Honey, did you take the dog out? Honey, can you take the dog? Are you kidding me? I'm tired. So people don't have time for relationships. So the barrier between work and life becomes invisible. The only people who are enjoying this are the senior executives who have can afford to have nannies at home and housekeepers and butlers. So their life continues, right? So their spouses understand it's part of the game, probably cheat on them because they don't see them ever. That's how it has influenced work culture. Casual dress is one thing. I still feel that whatever makes me put my best foot forward, depending on the environment I'm going to be in or whom am I going to meet with, then I dress appropriately for that environment. A couple weeks ago, I had to meet with some folks at a church. You know I didn't dress like this, right? Because I respect, uh, I understand that in that culture, most likely the folks in that culture are going to expect me to show up believing that I'm meeting in a church so I can't walk in there with 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 boobs out you see what I'm saying not that that is a standard dress for me but you dress appropriately for the culture do you see what I mean so casual dress is one thing but all these other perks that they're offering come at a steep price I don't mind working remotely I think we need to consider that that you don't have to go into the office every day of the week it might be counterproductive I also believe in four days per week as a work week. I do believe in that. I think people are more more inclined to be more productive. In in fact, after the kids have driven you crazy, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you're ready for work on Monday. You just want a distraction so bad, you'll do anything to get delivered from that. Trust me, (laughs) right? 
but it also makes you more engaged. Your mind might not be lingering because you get a mini vacation every week. Three days off is a mini vacation. So your mind might be more engaged. People are more productive when they pursue these kinds of activities. Do you see what I'm saying? So that, the, the, that part of it works very well. And a lot of companies are looking at it. Companies are also looking at keeping people out of the office. If they work from home in remote environments that they can observe that while they're at home, they're not actually at the mall shopping or doing yoga when they should be working, that they're actually involved in work. And company, when companies give people a laptop, you best believe they have activated a camera. So they can see if you're in your PJs or if you actually did get up and got to your computer in your office at 8 a.m. You can sip your coffee all you want, but did you leave to go pick up the kids and spend two hours instead of one, but still claim an hour? They actually activate the camera in that laptop. Don't believe everything they say. You really think they're just gonna make you walk away like that? (laughs) Think again, (laughs) right? So here are some things to think about. Uh, The Silicon Valley work culture reframed work Here are some of the negatives about it. Reframed work as a hustle. So they replaced the 9 to 5 with the 996. 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week. Elon Musk said this, and he's part of that uh, Silicon Valley culture. What did he say? He said, nobody ever changed the world working 40 hours a week. So in order to get people to do what you want out of them, the best ideas, They're not going to work 40 hours per week. They're going to do 50 or 60 because you have them there from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. I don't know that they get paid beyond 5 p.m. though. You just keep them there, getting the ideas out of them, helping you to change the world. But they're not getting their pay scale and their pay grade and their stock options are not reflective of that. Right? Bullying is rampant in these spaces, pushing people constantly. A lot of people walk away from some of these ventures really badly driven and really, really feeling. It, 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 for younger folks, it probably does work more so because they grew up in it. So it was sort of a revolution when it started. But for older people, for people over 40, you have some issues there. I just believe that Work is work, and when work is done, you should leave. I like to go to a a workspace, and when I am done, I'm done. That's it. It's over. It's done. I am done. That's what I believe that work should be. I don't believe that work should perpetuate. I don't believe in being wired and attached because your mind never shuts down. I want to sleep at night. You know what I found that was good? I removed the TV out of my room. The only electronic device I have in my room is my telephone because it's my means of contact. If I could go back to the days of getting a landline phone, I probably would and leave my cell phone out of my, turn it off at night. I kid you not. I have no screens in my bedroom except my phone and I put it down, face down. I kid you not. And the only reason it's there is because my my children, that's the only for them to communicate with me. I, because what I have found is that if I pick up the phone and read something off a screen, I will not forget that. I also found that I used to, for years, I used to watch TV before falling asleep. I found that the images that I saw would keep me in mind and keep my eyes would, you know, I would wake up every five minutes, removed it from my bedroom. And guess what I found? 
I actually sleep better. So I want a space between work and life. I don't want to have a boss or work in an environment where I'm sending people emails at 4 a.m. in the morning. I don't want to work in a space where people are connecting with me from 5.30 a.m. I'm not ready to get up at 5.30. I'm ready to get up at 6. Don't wake me up at 5.30 sending me an email. I am making breakfast for my kid at 6.30 a.m. at 7 a.m. and you're calling me. I could be kissing my spouse on my way out and you're in fact calling me to ask me if I've left yet or if I sent the report over. That's too much intrusion. And that is what is causing so many problems in our relationships because there is no balance. There's no structure between work and life. We have allowed certain things from work to intrude into our lives. And what it has done is been destructive. It has destroyed our relationships, destroyed our partnerships, destroyed friendships, and left you isolated. So when they fire you, it's called a graduation. You don't have anybody, you don't have a support system. It has made people suicidal. It has made people more afraid to interact with people. It has done the opposite of what they thought they would achieve with this collective do good and everybody just singing Kumbaya and standing on a hillside singing Kumbaya. Instead, it has left people hurt. It has made people driven for success. But at what cost? We were going to achieve success. The race is not given to the swift. It's given to those who endure. Silicon Valley is always in a constant race to be the first on the block with the next idea, to come out with the next product, with the next concept. Consequently, people don't stay in those environments for long. In some places, people can't even have children. They find that after a while, they want a family life. But you can't even have children because of the constant stress, constant stress. People probably end up having sex with themselves rather than having sex with others because who is going to have sex with anybody? You can't, you know, you can't sit down and commute a relationship. And you find that with they call it workaholism. And they actually make it sound like it's holy. They make it sound like you're just constantly engaged. No, I don't want to be engaged or strapped to work or tied to work or chained or wired to work. I think there needs to be balance and there needs to be structure and boundaries if what we want is harmony. That's what these workplaces are saying. If we break down the barriers, then people will think that everyone is on the same level and everyone is in harmony. But actually, it achieves the opposite effect. There's still, it's still a pyramid, y'all. Corporate culture is still a pyramid. There's still only one guy or girl at the top. The rest are just at the bottom trying to make it. My name is Harry Kimmick. This has been Down to Earth. I trust that you have found the subject intriguing and interesting for more information and for more topics that we have covered. Please go to my website, harrykimmick.com, as well as listen to our previous podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a variety of podcast platforms. Thank you so much for being a part of my experience this morning. I trust that you will have a great Wednesday, a wow Wednesday, a wear pink Wednesday. Yeah, I'll post some pics later. Hopefully you'll find them appealing, but don't say anything, right? This is just me being me all day, right? Thank you so much, everybody. Think on these things, right? And let us all wash our hands. Come on, wash your hands. Come on, wash your hands with soap and running water. Wash your hands. Wash your hands and count to 16 seconds. That's actually a long time, right? 
Be blessed, everybody. See you tomorrow. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Thank you so much for being a part of my show this morning. Thanks so much, everybody. Be blessed.